On today's episode of the WestJet Pilot Podcast, Communications Chair Todd Sinclair talks with Adam Priest to learn more about the preferential standing bid. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the WestJet Pilot Podcast. Today we're going to be looking at uh, the preferential standing bid. It's a little bit of a, a mystery, or it has been to me, and I wanted to uh, give us an opportunity to talk to Adam Priest, who's a member of our communications committee, and he works uh, on the bid on behalf of our pilots. Hello, Adam. Hi, Todd. Thanks for joining me today. Okay, well, I guess quickly, uh, maybe just uh, let the pilots know about who you are and what your background is, what, what it is that you do for us here at Alpha. Okay, well, I've been at WestJet since 2013. Most of that time has been spent as a 737 first officer in Calgary. And right now I'm slowly making my way back to that position. I joined ALPA as a volunteer back in 2017 with the communications committee. And once we got our first collective agreement, there was a need for a PSB association representative. And at the time it was described as a fairly technical position, so it seemed like a very good fit. Well, so what is your role with the uh, standing bid? So what I do is when the company runs bids, standing bids, vacancy bids, or any type, I make sure that the positions are assigned in accordance with the collective agreement. Okay. Um, so do you have a, a copy of the software that they use or how, how do you do that? So once the bid closes, the company determines the number of vacancies that are available and, and backfills, which I think we'll talk about later, but they match that list of vacancies with the pilot standing bid and then any sort of restrictions or freezes that may be in place and then they can output a list of where everybody landed in in the type of bid that we're doing so the company has their own system and the way that we do it on the alpha side is we take the same data so the vacancies the standing bid and any freezes that are provided by the company and we built our own software that can output a list as well and the company and i match those two lists and see if we have any differences and talk about that. So you built your own software. Yeah, that's right. It's a software that we made specifically for this purpose, which fits our unique needs. So the software itself is based on a previous version created by a pilot who loaned it to the association. But then we started just kind of making some more some more updates to it to meet uh, needs that we hadn't foreseen. So is one of them better than another or are they, they just, they get to the same answer the same way or at the end of the day, they generally get to the same answer the same way. I mean, when you're creating these type of, of programs, there's many different ways of being able to accomplish the same end goal. So the, the two systems, while they're different, um, they, they work in parallel and we can we can trap errors because they're two independently created systems so if there is any differences between uh, the lists at the end of the day the company and i will discuss those differences and come up with a come up with a solution because in in these cases it's not a who's right it's a it's a what's right so 
the, the output of the result of the bid is really a collaboration. So uh, is it uh, like a, a fairly simple calculation? Like you just push the button and it spits it out? Or is it like we've sort of heard from like the monthly thing where it takes a long time to do a run and it's, and it's really working to crunch the numbers? No, it's, it is a fairly quick process. Um, thankfully, it's, it's all automated. So yeah, we can push the button and get an output uh, in a fairly decent amount of time. It's just a matter of making sure that the information that goes into the system is 100% correct. And that's where a lot of the time is spent making sure we have the right information going in. Okay, so you do a lot of sort of manually checking stuff before it gets loaded in? To yeah, we have to make sure that the just everything matches up, everything looks right. And um, it's, it, I mean, it is a fairly complex process that goes on in the background. It does go through every pilot's bid and every pilot can have up to 24 bids. So there's a lot of iterations if you add that up over almost 2,300 pilots here. Okay. And so if it, uh, if it doesn't, like, well, you, ha you have a list and they have a list and then DJIs just sit in a room and go, you know, or, or have you already figured out where they don't match? Do you send a list to them? Like how, how does that work? We basically compare lists at the end of the day. And anything, any discrepancies that we see, we have a discussion about. And sometimes it's a matter of somebody was awarded a different position or there's maybe a, a restriction or a freeze in place that wasn't considered. And then we have a discussion about that and see why that was the case. And we catch things on both sides of the story. Okay. How long does that you, I guess there's a lot more now because there's a lot more people moving during these recalls. But uh, how long does that process usually take? Is it easily within the five days? Or Yeah, we definitely um, make it within the, the timelines of the agreement. It depends on how big the bid is. I mean, a, a huge reduction bid takes a lot more time to verify because we want to make sure. Well, we want to make sure in all cases, but there's just... A reduction bid affects almost everybody, whereas a vacancy bid will affect a smaller number of pilots. So it's a bit easier to come up with a common common list at the end of the day. Okay. Well, yeah, I did want to ask about that. So seeing as we're there, uh, like, are all bids the same? Like, what is the difference between a vacancy bid and a recall? Like, I mean, I guess I know on the surface, but as far as the, the PSB itself is concerned, are there differences or does it just run it the same way every time? It kind of gets to the solution the same way. It's uh, really the mechanics of of the type of bid. I mean, a reduction bid, I'll say. We'll check to make sure your position is there, and if it's not, then it goes through your your bid preferences. So it's different from a vacancy bid where that will only check to see if you are trying to change positions. So it's it, it sort of handles them in the same way, but... Um, there's just different you, rules that apply. So, but like a reduction bid could bump you, or is that what you mean by like to see if your position is there? Or like, I, I think that to my mind, that's the difference between a vacancy and a reduction one is that vacancy just looks for open positions where reduction one will actually kick you out of ones if somebody wants it. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, that's the only case where we can have pilots displaced from their position is a reduction bid. In a, in a vacancy bid, it only checks to see if your bid is something that is available if in a reduction bid it also has to check to make sure your current position is available or not so if your position exists when it comes up to be your turn you don't move but if it doesn't okay. exist that that's when it actions your bid all right uh i have a 
bit of a question for get, now that we're into recall bids that are happening now. Um, I, I did have a question with Flow from Encore and stuff. When when they're looking at names to to fill the spots, do they consider Encore guys? Like, is it all one big thing, or are they making sure that all the re recalled guys get looked at first that came that left our? Or I'm not really sure how that works. Like whether they turn on Flow or not. No, I I know where you're coming from. So because we're doing recalls right now. The system will check to make sure that a specific pilot has recall rights to that specific airline. So let's use an example. An Encore pilot who has never held a WestJet position cannot be awarded a WestJet position ahead of a recalled WestJet pilot. So the system will check to make sure that a pilot going into WestJet on a recall bid has the rights to go into WestJet. And once once we've exhausted that list of pilots who have recall rights, that's when we would bring in other pilots such as Encore pilots who may not have held a WestJet position. So it's just a, a computer tick to see whether they've got, it's like one of the parameters, whether they've got a recall right? Exactly, yeah. Oh, okay, so then uh, then it determines if there's space for them and, uh, and if there's still open spots after that, then it moves down to Encore. Exactly, and that's where one of the benefits of creating our own system is we can add these new parameters or rules in as we as we see them, we don't have to wait for another software provider. We can just come up with a solution ourselves and and make that change on the spot. Okay. Um, well, speaking of changes, like a, a lot of people talked about potential for mock bids, like in the future, so you can sort of see where you're actually going to fall. Is that something that is technically wickedly challenging, or uh, like could it be done real time? Or I, I don't know. I don't know what's involved. So that's why no, it's, it's easy it's, for people to say. But, it's uh, a valid question, and it's been a hot topic lately. Um, obviously, something we've heard and seen more of. Um, we are looking at the opportunity of mock bids, whether it's a possibility or not. We are running them in the background, but we're trying to make sure that we're not giving pilots a sense of a false sense of hope, because there's a lot of unknowns and assumptions that go into mock bids, um, and specifically backfilling is one of the hardest things to predict. The other problem that we have with mock bids is making sure that every pilot has a bid in and until until the bid closes, it's just a very big unknown. So in a roundabout way, I'm trying to say that we're, we're looking at the opportunity. We're looking to see if it's an option. Um, right now, we're just trying to work on the accuracy. Okay, so the, the two things I take from that, one is if I'm the only guy in the bid, uh, I'll be showing as a 787 captain for a while until everybody else starts putting their bids in and it can change. Exactly, and, uh, and, and then if you've got a senior pilot that doesn't bid until last minute, that senior pilot can have quite the cascading effects throughout the list if they change their position. All right, because every position then downhill uh, switches. Yeah, okay. Okay, well... Speaking of backfill, then I mean that's an area that I really don't quite understand. Uh, like, how does how does that work? How does the company decide, or or does the computer decide once somebody moves a position whether the next guy gets his old spot? Um, backfill is it's one of those tricky things to to be able to predict. So it's not always awarded in a one to one where one pilot leaves, another pilot goes into that position. Um, the company has the the right to determine base sizes and determine the number of positions available and so quite often what will what the company will do with the backfill is they'll use that opportunity to 
balance any captain first officer ratios that might be off. So in a recent bid, a position in a base shrunk by about 10 positions. However, that opportunity was used to fix the imbalance in that base. Also add positions to another base and fix the imbalance there as well. So it all works itself out at the end of the day. It's used to fix the bases really. Right. And so are you guys looking at uh, at total numbers like after to see how much that has changed or not changed or and and hold them to account or how does what happens there? That doesn't really fit in my scope of work here. Um, I mean, I'm making sure that any positions that are assigned are assigned in the order they're supposed to be according to our agreement. OK. Uh, in the order uh, you just mentioned there, like uh, in the past, we've talked about like who has the seniority list. Is that uh, is is that us? Do we have a copy of it, or does the company make it? Like who makes the pilot seniority list? So the pilot seniority list that we see on the website and EFBs is created by the Alpha membership committee, and those are updated. I think it's four times a year, but I have seen the membership committee recently release new lists to try and give pilots better idea of where they sit on positions and availabilities. So that that list for the most part does match the way that the company handles positions in order of seniority. Positions are given in order of pilot number. So that would be Okay, so they have a they have a list and we approximate it as well in the one that we see on our EFBs and stuff, but uh, but they have a different list, is that it's not that it's a different list necessarily. I mean, seniority is seniority. It doesn't change. It doesn't matter who makes the list. Your seniority at the end of the day is still, still the same. Okay. Um, I'm going to go back a little bit to when we talked about uh, freezes you mentioned and stuff. Like, who did, before you plug it into the computer, do you guys reach agreement on who is frozen or not frozen or for what reason? Um, not. It's not that there's an agreement. Uh, the company is the one that determines who has any sort of freeze in place on them. So there's there's pilots that maybe bid into a position uh, such as a reduced block that have a freeze, a one year freeze applied to them. Uh, certain type initial training requirements like 787 require a freeze, and there's other ones in place too, such as like either a, a medical leave or career first officer the company is the is the one that determines who has those and what they are right so if they made a mistake let's just say for example somebody was still on a freeze that shouldn't have been anymore and and within the five days they go hey i should have been able to be in on this bid um what happens then so that that pilot would then file a dispute um sometimes those things are caught beforehand but if if information just a little bit off that can and has happened and so if a pilot raises a dispute um, that starts that process where we can look into that pilot further and see if the freeze was applied correctly and if it wasn't then we can um, look at maybe awarding him that position as well would they normally just uh, uh, re-punch out like re-crunch the numbers for that bid or they fix them on a subsequent bid or they would re-crunch the numbers for that bid okay cool um what else if I not asked you that uh, it was, uh, that somebody might want to know about the, the PSB. So I'd like to spend just a couple more minutes here talking about common errors that we've seen during bids. Okay. Um, some of the errors that I have seen is pilots don't check their bid once they've submitted it. So they don't either check for the email receipt or they don't check to make sure that the position that they are awarded 
or the positions that they've indicated are ones they're willing to hold or they're just done in the wrong order. Unfortunately, we have seen all of this. Well, what do, so, I understand those other ones. What do you mean in the wrong order? Like what? So let's just say a pilot uh, bid for a part-time position ahead of even their existing position. Um, they would be awarded that part-time position if their seniority can hold it, and they may have inadvertently then got themselves into a freeze. Oh, okay, I see. So bidding for things uh, um, in different order is what you meant, like in from what they wanted. Yeah, or bidding for something that they may not actually want to hold. Right, right. Okay. So unfortunately, unfortunately, we've seen that. Um, the other one that I have seen is pilots bidding their own position. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with a pilot bidding their own position. But if you bid your own position that you currently hold ahead of any other position, the computer will stop and assume that you are content with your current position and move on to the next pilot. So how could that be a problem potentially? Like what's an example where we're- um, There have been pilots who who have bid their current position assuming that it would be, it would be glossed over or whatever. But um, essentially what I'm saying is there's never any time where a pilot needs to bid their own position. Okay. That's if, it, if you can't hold it, it won't run it. And if you can, it'll start moving on to your next choices. Exactly. So that that includes a reduction bid that includes a vacancy bid um if you bid your own position you you might still be awarded your own position okay so uh, i have a question like is anybody at alpa acting as a safety net is anybody checking to make sure that guys are bidding somewhat properly or that they're not making a major mistake from what people can see no <laughs> um and i we just don't have the the time or resources to go through everybody's bid individually and and make sure that they're bidding in an order that makes sense. I mean, every pilot scenario is different. I mean, you just have no idea why somebody bids the way they do. It's a very personal thing. And um, with the ability that pilots can bid even up until the last minute, we just we have no way of being able to do that. Okay, so it's up to the pilot themselves to basically, it's their onus to make sure they bid correctly, but maybe... Uh... They shouldn't think that Alpha uh, is necessarily trying to catch them uh, and save them from that, save them from themselves. So maybe their buddies should also have a look at the, if they've got their bid up there and there's something obviously wrong, i.e. asking for an FO spot when they were a captain somewhere. It's definitely a good idea to look out for, for those that you know and have a look and see if their bidding preferences make sense. Um, the biggest takeaway I can give anybody from this conversation is double, triple, quadruple check your bid. Make sure that when you go through your your email receipt of your bid, that that order reflects what you're willing to hold because you might get it. So what is the hardest part of this job for you then? I'd say the hardest part is making sure that I have the correct information to put into the system. There's a lot of inputs that go into this, as you can imagine, 2,300 pilots and 24 bids per pilot. So making sure that that information is correct, that any position freezes or restrictions in place are there and the number of positions. So it's it's really a data gathering exercise, at least for the beginning. The actual assigning of the positions is fairly automated, but the hardest part is definitely is time spent putting this data together. 
And is it just you for Alpha that's working on this, or is, do you have helpers? Or uh, currently, it's just me. Uh, I may be able to recruit people going forward, but we will we will see. Yeah. How long does the whole process take for you? It, you know what? It really depends on the on the the size of the bid. So smaller bids are a lot easier to to run, obviously, but when we go through these bids, it's not just necessarily a one and done. We run multiple iterations of these bids to make sure that we get the correct information and anything that we find along the way. Okay. Well, anyway, I want to wrap this up a little bit so it doesn't go on too long, but uh, well, for me, it, it was a complete mystery how, how it happened. And once I finished my bid and sent it off, it was, uh, I, I just hoped it all worked. I just assumed it did. And I, and you know, and I thought it was pretty automated, but uh, you lifted the curtain a little bit to, to let us know some of the things. If uh, if listeners still have questions about the bid, what how, how can they find out about it? Um, best place would probably just to send me an email or give me a call. So my information's plastered all over almost every fast read that goes out. But uh, for those that don't know, you can email me at adam.priest at alpha.org. Okay, so you're you're open for some questions, and I guess the guys can talk to the reps as well if they have bidding questions. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, okay, well, thanks very much. I do All appreciate. Right, well, thanks. Thank you, Todd. Okay, cheers. Thanks, WestJet pilots, for listening to the WestJet Pilot Podcast. We hope you found it informative. Stay tuned for future podcasts, and if you have any suggestions, send us an email at wjacommunications@alpa.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.